To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Corey Gilkey, today's guest, uh, owner, founder of Leaders, which is an online brand retail store at the epicenter of Chicago streetwear culture. Their mission statement is, our background and circumstances may have influenced who we are, but we are responsible for who we become. I, I think this really truly sets the tone on why he and they are so important to the culture as we know it. And we'll talk about that shortly. You know, as I've had the pleasure of knowing him for 20 plus years, and I'm super excited to share his story. But before we do so, I would love to get your thoughts on when you hear culture, what does that mean to you? Now, nothing. <laughs> culture can be uh, bought now. Uh, <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, but before then, it was um, something that we kind of gained from our ancestors or people before us who did things uh, not on a regular type of tone or it was looked at as regular. Uh, we challenged ourselves and did things outside the box uh, for the community and our culture. That's what culture really meant, you know, to me. But now, hey, you can go buy berets at a store, a convenience store now. So it's just different so it's, right now. It's very different. So are you saying it's it's way more commercialized? Yeah, definitely. The word, more yeah, the word woke and the word culture is just like everything can be bought, you know, right now. So I don't think there is uh, a culture or anything. I think... Uh, I think we've lost that in our community of what our culture is. So the wit downgraded to our culture is just soul food. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know, I, we're going to get into this a, a little bit yeah. more. We're going to get into it in depth. And and I hear where you're coming from. Give the people a little bit more about who you are, um, a little bit about more background on you, as I'm very familiar. Ah, uh, okay. Man, my background. I've been a retailer for 24 five years is it 20 maybe before that maybe 26 years uh but i do much more uh, i'm a restaurateur i'm a developer uh, we have properties around the city that we develop commercial properties we have a a, a chanel patch company in haiti uh i'm a uh, i'm a pa i'm a public assistant to my film crews and my friends who film we film things all over film documentaries or uh, great examples of people which we call uh, conscious community. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really what I'm engaged in, a conscious community type of guy where consciousness can't be sold, we can't be manipulated. Which is a culture in itself. Oh, uh, it's a new one. Right. <laughs> Are we going back? It changes, but sure. Okay. Uh, uh, but I'm really known for a retail space, uh, fashion, art, music, entertainment, uh, of in Chicago, it's, it's the store called Leaders. Uh, uh, we were in the forefront, or a little bit after the Stussy Supreme guys in the the, the 90s. The Stussy is 92, or Stussy is before that, right? Stussy's like 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were first. You got Supreme and Union, and then we came along 2002, and we added our culture or our flair with it. We was buying, you know... Uh, African colors, like African environment colors, uh, wristbands, and you know, uh, 
uh, hand-painted T-shirts from Mesquite that was $75. That was unheard of at that time. Uh, Triple five Trend. sold, Fresh Jive, and uh, just different brands, smaller independent brands like Yard that was in Brooklyn, New York, and they took fabrications and made Peter Koch, 3D Peter Tosh uh, T-shirts, all hand-done, wash tees. We just, uh, we broke the we broke the rules uh, on our own end. Basically, we just showed a consumer or our city or our, that customer uh, that there's no boundaries basically with street wearing graphic design or with design at that time too. So that's right. And so it was on your terms. And and I was okay. You know, we were renegade. Sure. I mean, we were renegade. H- 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 hence the name. Hence the name. Yeah. Leader. I mean, you yeah. you've always been looked at as a leader, and that's why your insight and your commentary even as you opened up around culture is going to be so critical, right? As you say yep. that culture doesn't mean much anymore or it's, it's gone away and we'll talk about it. But as I hear you talk about all the things that you do in addition to leaders, those are very much cultures in themselves, right? And those are very much cultures that you're cultivating once again as a leader. But I'll go back to, you know, the space that, you know, many know you in, in this footwear space. And obviously it plays a significant role in shaping the culture as we know it today and being a key destination of where these stories became so powerful. I I would love to get your thoughts on if there was a particular moment when you realized just how big and instrumental this footwear culture was to our overall culture of life. Really? Yeah, I mean, before I got into business, I seen it. Well, rest in peace with Tony Fernandez. I seen how important it was, like how we had to travel far in between to go get this exclusive shoe that uh, Tony had built this incredible store called Tony Sportswear uh, or Sheridan Road and uh, just the massiveness and uh, it was just something that we wanted right there you know my parents my like my father he never wore gym shoes like a sneaker so he was dress shoes I went to Catholic school so I love putting on sneakers like right after school or going right. to practice or coming home and watching Michael Jordan in college and Patrick Ewing and the Terminators came out, you know, so I was always brought up in that, like, damn, this is what I want to be around. This is the shoes I want to wear. I don't want to wear uh, loafers. You know what I'm saying? I, I hate it. They're uncomfortable, I, you know, and coming from Chicago, sometimes we had to run home <laughs> from the bus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we needed uh, sneakers. Uh, so, it was before that, basically, uh, before the store. But I, I always knew this is something that I always wanted to do. And, right. Uh, the sneaker culture, like, really inspired me. Uh, the colorways and the athletes at that time, because I was an athlete. I still, you know, not still is, but I was an athlete until I was, uh, you know, uh, 23 after my uh, baseball career at Southern University of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So that's where it is. I always had a love for it from a very young age. Right. And now as a owner, as a owner now uh, of leaders, you've established this significant presence within this culture for sure. Can you share the journey that kind of led you to become the entrepreneur and inspire inspiration, I should say, behind creating one of the few longest standing black owned sneaker boutiques in the country, which in itself is a huge, huge achievement. Yeah, it's it's a struggle every day. It still is. I just think when you put your mind to it and uh, no, it's not an option. Failure is not an option. Like, what can I do? Where could I go? I, I got to go get a job now. <laughs> After this, right. all these years, like, 
I have to, even every day, it's a struggle now. You know, streetwear and sneaker culture right now, what is going through after we just had enormous, the last three years have been enormous, like great, even during the pandemic. Uh, it's what do we do now? It's every day talking to the team, like, and we've always been there. Like I'm in my store, I'm talking to Diego, I'm talking to Sham, I'm talking to our uh, graphic designer. I'm, I'm talking to Ramon and Hush. I'm talking to Manny at Stash. Pops That's right. I'm talking to Matt at corporate. I'm talking to Roe at Burn Rubber. I'm talking to James Whitner at Amaya and social status. Like we get on the phone with each other and we, Joe from Oneness, like I call them, they call me and be like, yo, is it really this bad? And we be like, right. yeah, you're not the only one. So just those relationships to let you know that you're not the only one at times and it's inevitable, but our support system uh, is something that we're blessed with, our, our relationships. Uh, me, everything that's like you, Astor, like you've been a great supporter and friend of our brand whenever you came to Chicago or whatever. You've always been just a genuine, great guy. That's why I did this with you. You know, I do not do podcasts. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I tell everybody no, so everybody's going to be mad at me because I'd be like, you know, Astor's my guy. He helped me in the sneaker world. That's why I'm still here. So I return my favors too. I return favors to friends who genuine, great people. Uh, we have to do that for, uh, longevity of just not me and my family but yours also there and you go so basically you you, you there are two gems i mean the, many gems that you obviously share but two in here of one of you know reminding yourself that you're not alone and being able to tap into a community and you you mentioned an amazing community of other uh black owners uh in this space who thank god you all can lean on one another not only to educate and inform, and inform but also create some sort of alliance, right? Yes. In, in holding others accountable to make sure somebody's not going through something that they shouldn't be going through. And we need to now make sure that we hold certain brands, individuals accountable that, hold up, we know what's going on and that's not gonna happen, right? Yeah. Because we, we know what's really taking place. I think the other thing that you mentioned is the notion of uh, sharing. Right. And, and and helping one another and doing the things for one another that, you know what, you can't do for everybody else, nor should you. Um, but for those who you genuinely have a connection with, it is our responsibility to lean in with our respective gifts to help within their respective areas. So I respect and I thank you for that. And that's the type of character you've exemplified over the years that I definitely have noticed. And I still see you putting out there into the universe. And when I look at this culture of footwear that you play a significant role in, it, it has its very own unique language, right? And I always look at or, or want to know how you curate your selection at leaders to capture really the essence of this culture and offer a very distinctive experience for your, cons your customers. And the reason why I ask that specifically, because I remember in the early 2000s coming to your door, and you were one of the few, I mean, literally, if any, what we call then like an urban boutique, right? Yeah. But you also had SB as an account, which was unheard of. Yeah, I was like super, super surprised to see that on the wall, but was so glad inside that it was you that was be able, that was be able to was able to show this representation. Talk about that curation process and how you create this distinct experience for your customers. It was all about just getting different things. We just did not want to look like other stores. We just always wanted to be different, and we've always attracted 
that guy who wanted something different. It's different now, but back then, I think I'm just glad that we're here 20 years and we have that that name where people trust us from customer service or from returns or just knowing we're going to be open and take care of the people that that what we do. Um, but to go back to the question is just that uh, we want to just be different. And SB is just different. The, like the fabrication and the silhouettes were just different. They used better quality materials at that time. You know, you know how Nike sometimes has put this weak leather on a dunk sometimes. You know, we just did not want that or other shoe brands. We we wanted really more quality. And Rob Sissy made me work for it. Rob Sissy didn't open me up. I went to the Deerfield show for a year and a half and begged him. Every show, I was just being annoying to him that we needed that. So I had to really work for it, and he made me work for it. No, so, well, well, that's 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 a fact, because while you say this is what you wanted, like, they SB accounts were not just given out. Yeah. Like, it was a whole deal. And then for you to be positioned then, again, air quotes of positioned as an urban boutique then, that was truly unheard of to even think about putting SB in a door like that. So I think sharing the how you got there is a huge thing because so many people think that it's just as easy as, oh, I wanted an SB shoe, so I got it in my door. I put a, an order in for it and it happened. It's like, no, nah, that doesn't happen. You have to be a visionary and you have to position yourself. And they liked the other brands that we had around that at that time too, you know, like what we were doing. It was like really, like we said, culture related. We were doing some real like Bob Marley tees, like we right. all on like Fred Hampton, Black Panther Party. Hey, you know, we took it there. We were like really rental. Like we wanted to inspire our youth and our community to, hey, the, what these people fought for is not over with. Let's have the same mindset for our development, for our upbringing and raising our children to education, basically, mm. and, and how fresh we look, you know, and that's mm -hmm. how we molded that all together. Like, and that's what streetwear was at that time when you saw somebody walking up and down the street, you knew where this guy shot, how he looked and how he dressed. And, you know, we wanted those stores that, Help that night. Like, you guys like the same type of girls, the same type of music. Y'all love SBs. Y'all love PRPS. You know, y'all love Crooks and Castles at that time. You know, so that's what it was. They were great brands that told a story, and we were able to execute and help telling the consumer the story on why we supported them. But that's been the focal market is just like doing things or having brands that is not really out there and just they took it to the next level design wise. Yeah, and I think it's it's all about evolution, right? It's how the culture was evolving, how streetwear was evolving. And I, I'd love to get your POV on how do you view the changes, both positive and negative, that have kind of shaped the industry since your early days and how have these kind of shifts influenced your approach as a business owner? Because now yeah. you're, 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 you're a business owner even outside of just the footwear space, footwear and apparel culture space. You, you, you're an owner across multiple things as you were talking about earlier. How did all these evolutions kind of help to get to this space? I didn't want to be looked at as just a retail guy. I seen what the retail business did to all the mentors that I had. And when they had tough times and they closed after 30 or 40 years of business and everything, how they, how they were looked up as like, you didn't really do anything. That, that was really insulting to me. All these employees that these guys have and save lives and like at the magic shows, the the aura of like, the love that they got from paying their bills on time and all that, and just one bad year, man, and how, you know, people look at you like you're a failure. It kind of hurt me. I just didn't want to be known for that. So I just wanted to, 
with my gifts and my talents and my relationships uh, and the, just the people I know in my city, I just wanted to give them more. I wanted to sell them food. I wanted to get them better food. Uh, I wanted to buy property so I can give them better shelter. And I'm still in a apparel business. I want to clothe them too, you know, but anything can go wrong at any business. You know, we went through that with the pandemic. Like you see how many people shut down or this happened or that. We just don't know where the world is going to take us or what. We see what's happening in Maui or Lahaina, like people losing everything, you know, and they can't get insurance, you know, for the, for their next development or, or the things that they need to do. It's just like, I just want to have um, more to offer to, to my people and to my family, assets for my family also that they have different things. Like I've seen also that, the kids, all these great retailers, did not want to be retailers anymore. They did not want. Right. To they didn't want to be in that business. Children. I'm hoping one does. I hope one right. does for our business. I hope one develops. Because I just had a meet with my daughter. I'm like, yo, where you want to go with this? Because you know you're going to inherit this. This is here. This is really here. Or do right. I have to sell it? You know, they have to think about these things. You know. So, but the the, the, the to go back to the question again, the, the positive and negatives is that it's there. David from GK Thousand Bottoms always said that. The game stays the same. It just gets younger. Uh, that's a great advice I always got. You know, it's bots now. Everybody has a brand right now. Everybody thinks they're going to make it. I had a meet yesterday where a guy was like, hey, I want to do this real estate T-shirt brand. I'm like, cool, man. Just <laughs> I got to sit down and talk to him. I can't tell him no. It's not a good idea. I want to do that. But just everybody right. brand. Everybody's into it right now. We made it look so easy. All the guys before me and um they come back six months, a year later. They're done with it. Just think, I think youth is just all over the place. They want to be this one year, that one year. I just think they got to figure it out, you know. And, you know, Lenny loved me for that because he's always called me a student of the game. I studied it. I studied Izzy Israel saying that up against the wall. I studied these guys. Like, I studied what they were doing. I, I, I picked their brains, you know what I'm saying? So uh, that's not anymore. These guys think they know it all these days. And that's why we're still here because they can't pull it off, Billy. Really. Yeah. Well, you're also still here because I look at you as like a student of you're constantly serving. You're constantly of service and yeah. wanting to help others um, outside of yourself. Everything that you mentioned was an effort of helping someone else in terms of clothing them, putting roofs over their head, feeding them. You're very intentional with your and I don't even want to call it give back but really it's your purpose well it has to be. We, yeah we yeah. have to do this we have to grow together we like you know you have to feed the wolves or the wolves will eat your children you know <laughs> so you have to be there for not for people outside of your family you know you have to bring people in as your family and that's what we've done in retail like, these are our brothers our sisters like we're going to see Matt next week at his shoe release we got the Tony's release Sunday. We got to go see Matt in Cincinnati. We got to see Ramon in September. Well, his Sevilla release. Like, this is what it is. The people who work with us, and I don't say they work for me. They enhance my business as much as I enhance their life. Like, fit and That's right. Joe and Terrell and, you know, all the designers, Ellen, Diego, and Shannon, and, you know, all these guys, they have houses, you know, grandkids and cars, you know, from this business. Like, That's right. It's just, it's, it's beyond me, you know? So that's just what I started. That's why I sleep good at night, though. It's just, you know, I've always been the background guy. People don't know how yep. old we are. 
you know, I just come in with paperwork and tell them, hey, we got to pay this bill. We need to do this this week. <laughs> we did. Yeah. No, and, you know, you, you, you've also done a great job of building a community um, and your boutique serves as a hub for the community. How, how do you believe having a connected and engaged community, both locally and online, kind of contributes to the success and sustainability of your business or businesses? Uh, it helps uh, dramatically. Like you make money and sleep online, but you service a consumer that's, they can't walk in the door. So our marketing has to look like that. Like, man, when you buy this, you walked in the store. You remember when you came in the store. We like, what up? You want a beer? Oh, right. Don't go to Luminati's, go to Pequod's or, you know, uh, right. Hello's got the best food for your price, you know, for the price. Uh, we're concierge of the city, basically. Mm. But uh, Concierge to the culture. Concierge to the culture. And then that feeds back because somebody goes back to Minnesota or St. Louis or D.C. And they're like, man, I went in the leader store and they just showed me a good time. They were there for me. Like they asked my questions. They didn't just roll their eyes at me you know, and shoot me out the store and like, buy this. You know, we generally want to know who you are, what do you do? Because we need help all the time also. If I can meet a banker or, you know, uh, another artist that we can collaborate with or, you know, uh, a nonprofit that we can help or they can help ours or friends that we have that have nonprofits to help you. Uh, we want to know right. as many people as possible so that we can evolve with that conscious community. We need more consciousness and people That's have right. that empathy. Uh, you know, be transparent with, with people and just love. Like you always say, you're a brother of love. You always preach that. But That's you know, right. we got to get serious and we got to be bullies at some time in business. You That's right. That, but we're givers of love. We're, uh, that's right. You know, we're making a space comfort in the online store. I hope to do that. And that's our messaging and our brand. Whenever we put leaders on there, we want you to wear that and represent that. So online helps with that too. Because uh, we have people, because you know 50,000 people are leaving Chicago every year. So wow. We do have a great online business because people are moving to Arizona and Texas and North Carolina and Tennessee, and they still love shopping with us. They want to represent the city as much as they can where they're at. So online. Yeah, I was about to say. Out. Yeah, because that digital age, that digital age has definitely transformed how people engage with your store, with, with the culture, with fashion in general. How do you leverage your online platforms and social media to kind of extend the reach of leaders and foster the sense of community even in that space amongst enthusiasts? Well, we take a step back, honestly. We don't really go all in on it. It's just really organic. Like, we can't stand when customers be like, oh, what's your uh, metrics and this and that? Like, right. we can see, well, like, we can have a $30,000 day. They want metrics. Metrics didn't do shit when... $22,000 of it came walk through the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? It's just easy and we just really don't, we honestly don't care about it. We just have a good online shop and a business. We don't put really too much into it. I mean, the design and the, the back end we do, but it's not like we, if we shipping out five uh, emails a day, like newsletters, I mean, we're not doing all that. We're not stressing out the customer right. on that. This is what it is. This is what we do. We put it together. Here it is. You're going to find your size when you click that size is yours. You want to get a ship. You get a ship next, that day. So you get product one day, two days. That's right. our online success, basically. We don't heal all day. Like our online our store business, our retail to online is like 70, 30, maybe 75. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. 
people want to walk in. People want to walk in his store and kick it and feel the experience. They want experience. It's not a transaction. It's an experience. Yeah, and let's let's have a conversation. What do you do? That's right. What do you need? That's right. We need. We have a friend who needs this. What like it's that. It's this middleman thing of like we're sharing information, basically, for everyone. Basically. Yeah, you know, again, it goes back to you. You definitely are, uh, you know, provide a service into the community. I mean, into the culture for sure. And it's by creating this community that you've done such a great job of doing. As I look at, you know, yeah. entrepreneurship, right? Which obviously you also exemplify an amazing example of that. Often they face challenges and obstacles along the way. I would love for you to share a significant challenge that you've kind of encountered during your journey and you navigated through it, showing your resiliency and determination because you are probably one of the more resilient people that I know. And just knowing how you move and how passionate you are about your projects and the things that you do. I'd love to share some of that wisdom and knowledge for others because I think it's going to be very helpful for them, even if they're not entrepreneurs, but they're still within corporate spaces and things to that degree. Wow, I have so many. You know, every 10 years, it, the world, <laughs> well, not 10 years, every five, maybe four or five. That's right. So 2002 before opening up, I needed this space. I had to be in High Park. I wasn't going anywhere. Just at the Crew Sportswear, all right? After I worked yep. at the Lark as a consultant, stuff like that. I was, the, you know, I was a sales manager for Pony, uh, mm-hmm. Stall and Dean, uh, Varsity Sportswear. And I said, I'm going to open this store, but I had to be in High Park. I went to this realtor every three days to tell him when this when this store goes out of business, I want that store. Can I can I leave you the money? Can I leave you the first and last month? Mm-hmm. All right. Until so he finally said yes, is ready for you. But it took like a year, five months. Mm. This is the this is the neighborhood I had to be. That's right. one. Uh, two. I've moved five times. I have five different locations here dealing with landlords, right? Mm-hmm. We were given 30 days at our original address, 1354 East 53rd Street, the leader store in High Park. We were there for three years. And then Mac Property, a New Jersey-based company, bought the building that we were using a commercial property for and leased it to Washington Mutual and kicked us all out, gave us all 30 days to leave. It was seven different small businesses in there. So we had 30 days to pack, find a new location, pack up, and leave. All right? Wow. So I had to find a new location in 30 days. First month, last month, uh, fix it up, like design it, get fixtures, do all of that stuff. Then 2000, then we had 2008. Ooh, the word of cliff fell off everything. Financial crisis, my God. Really? All of my customers. 70% of my customers were realtors or brokers and they were doing real estate. And that arm hit them when they would when they mortgage went from thousand dollars to five thousand dollars. And I had opened two locations. I opened Wicker Park and Bronzeville, but no, I closed Wicker Park and Bronzeville and I took River North where my rent doubled. And then the world fell off. And I went mm-hmm. to a new environment. Still got to work and struggle every day. And that's why I bit and uh Mike Hunnitz and Ty, these guys are doing parties every three days and they had the youth coming around and uh it didn't affect us. The good thing about youth is that they don't worry about money. <laughs> when they get it, that they part. spend it. It's not like when you get old 
you know what? Nah, I can't. Yeah, exactly. You know, so we survived that. Then 2015, before I moved to West Loop, uh, Streetwear was funky. No, 13, 14, Streetwear was funky then with the Karma Loop deal. Remember, Karma Loop was undercutting everybody. Tees I sold for 40. They were selling for $28, 25 bucks. Street, they had every brand, so it was no more exclusivity. It was exclusivity on a on a dollar. It was bought. Streetwear was bought mm -hmm. by a corporate company that discounted, you know. Uh, my landlord in 1977, he bought that River North property for a half a million dollars in 1977. Bought it for 75 million. And he said he sold it for $35 million, 2014. Wow. So that made me think I got to leave because my rent was going to go from 6,000 to 18 grand. I knew it. Right. It's a target there now. So I knew what they were going to do. Right. I found a nice little, uh, Dre, Ari, Hutch. They invited me to Tokyo for fashion week. I was done. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get out the business. I'll figure something out. And they invited me to Tokyo. And it blew my mind. All the small stores were just killing. They were amazing. I was like, I should just go back small again. Because you know, River mm. North was big. It was huge. Yeah. We had all the events, Chance, Rapper events, Jada. And like, it was the, the go-to at that time for all these artists that came in. We were right downtown, like four blocks from Barney's when Barney's was here. Like, we, we were part of that, that retail edge that we loved. Like, our competitors were like Gucci, Prada, Barney's, Sacks, Neiman's, and we were these streetway kids, and they were, and people loved it. Then I had to move again, you know. So we came to West Loop. Well, after Tokyo, I came to. I found this space. It's five hundred square feet. I said, let me give it another chance. Here, eight, seven years, seven years. We had the best three years we've ever had. Wow! It's just not giving up. It's right, like you just take no That's point. It. Like just not giving up. And I was going to give up, but I have friends around me, Sharif Williams, and I have friends around me. It's like, you cannot close leaders. You cannot. We would not right. let you. You know what I'm saying? And that's the power, so that's the power of your village. Time. Yeah, that's the power of our village and who our relationships are. To tell your friend you cannot do this. That would be a disservice for our city and for the culture. Air quotes. <laughs> what for air friends? Quotes. <laughs> So but but that that's real. It, yeah, it, it, it is a major culture. It's a major culture that you have been a part of. And I'm so grateful that your village stepped in when you were about to step out, right? When you were about to yeah. tap out and say, look, I'm done. And they were like, there's no way you could be done because you were needed. You were so needed. Yes. And I think, I think I remember those conversations with you, to be honest, where you were just very disgruntled with the industry for a while. You 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 yeah, were angry, man, for a I minute. A bit. It's still bad. <laughs> no, I let but, it go. We're no, you had to. You had to, and 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 you become better for it. We're not telling you not to feel that way, but but remember, I told you that what they did to Lenny and Arnold Vision, the guys who left, who did incredible things here. They was doing that to me when I got yeah. in a financial crisis at that time when I was big and I had to leave. It was like, ah, leaders ain't nothing. Leaders weak as hell now. Like, they done. It's over. You know what I'm saying? I was pissed. I seen mm -hmm. this industry do that to us. Great guys, man. Like, I'd be nothing, nowhere without Tony Lenny. on like, pull me to the side and be like, ah, you buying too much. Why you do that? Like, you know, 
And that's where just Chicago retail has been. We, we've always been cool. We might have our little wars here and there, but it's always a conversation. We always end up good and we always help each other out. You know, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, what you, yeah. you, you, so, you also, yeah, no, you also offer a platform for emerging brands and designers, um, which is a big, big thing. How do you identify and support up and coming talent? And what role do you believe leaders kind of plays in, in nurturing the creativity within the industry? Nothing these days. Just get them a check. Let them know they're important with some money. Money is a solver for everything. Money. See some great talented people. You got to pay them and, you know, do this and give them an opportunity for them to grow. It's not about you or anything else. As artists, they don't care about nobody but themselves. That's an artist yeah. for sure. So I am the money man. I'm the back end guy. I got to be the paperwork. So I have to save my profits and be like, this kid would not do that. He's so talented. But let me give him this thousand dollars for some art project or direction or two thousand. He's on the street. He hasn't dealt with Nike or Adidas yet or a big company. He doesn't know how to invoice. He doesn't know any of this stuff. But that training alone, that the trust that they come from that to be like, damn, Corey did. They put some money in my pocket, man. He did like my art. They did the collaboration with me. He did invite me in the store and let me sell T-shirts out the store. Like, I got to come sometime trust this guy. Or I got to give him a favor. Like, I got to do something. I got to do this flyer for him. Or maybe I just get him this design. Like, this, it's a trust thing. And trust with youth comes with financial capabilities. Right. They're not doing anything for free. They all want to make $100,000 a year at 18, 19. And he no thinks, relationship, no work ethic, zero. Yeah, no, it's crazy. But but then there's <laughs> also, this. It it is weird. But then it's also the power of representation, which I think you're helping to provide platforms, even though it's in a way that probably you don't feel is the best way to do so. It still is a very prominent opportunity to provide this the power of representation, which is undeniable. How how do you think being a black yeah. owner? Um, or a black-owned business owner uh, allow you to kind of provide this very unique perspective and connect with underrepresented communities and talents? Because from when we had Crew Sports, well, remember, we had a $3.5 million business. We were up to four stores, and we went out of business, and there was no one I could talk to. Mm. No one would help me. Mm. There was no one black or black man that was in retail that can help me mm. at that time, you know? felt that I had to give back this next time when these next kids come up that if they got a question, I'm going to be tough on them. I'm going to give them the truth, though. If some can deal with it and most can't, but I'm going to tell them the truth. Mm. You know, or you got to get an accountant. You can't spend that sales tax money. You got to collect it. You know, you can't spend that. You can't go buy jewelry. You know, you got to put that back into the next delivery. They need that. Like I told you, these guys don't know how to invoice. They don't know how to charge. So... We wanted to get them that to give them those tools so for the for the future for them because if they don't save money or don't know how to find or you know save it and uh manage it it's over man you got to start all over again you know we got 10 years in the industry for who you want to be until you kind of still really start making your money i don't want them to make those same mistakes i did or anybody else did because these banks and these uh institutions they out here looking at us all as failures like we can't stay in business so i wanted to be the one to show and prove that, man, you can stay in business. That's right. So, you know? That's right. Uh, forget they data. You know, keep moving. Make the money. Then go to the bank. You know what I'm saying? Bank's not going to give you no money without the money. Right. Without, you know, your profit and loss statement and spying taxes five years in a row. You done out here, bro. You got to pay taxes. You got to pay people. Mm. You can't do it all yourself also. Mm -hmm. And your accountant is your best friend. And y'all better trademark y'all stuff. 
Right. And a trademark right. can cost two hundred dollars. Well, well, looking ahead, what are you? What are your aspirations for leaders and kind of your role within sneaker culture and community development? Because I look at you as a developer. Yeah. Well, we're working on that now. It's been a year and a half. Banks are all telling me no. Uh, they tell them they're not doing uh, the projects that we want to do. You know, we bought a block uh, in Bronzeville. We bought another building in Inglewood, and the banks are all running from it because they're dilapidated areas uh, that I have substantial community work done in there, and I've seen $600,000 homes, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and, uh, you know, I put millions of dollars in the bank, and they're still saying, ah, it's just not good enough. You know, so we bought a building, me and my partner, uh, a block, and uh, we got this amazing idea or concept. It's not even an idea. It's going to happen uh, for our restaurant. We want to build this environment, this whole shopping creative environment, our restaurant, our gym, our event space, gallery space, our retail store, men's retail store, women's retail sneaker store, the first women's boutique, Southside. We have residential upstairs that we want to do short term. Um living spaces for when people want to come to Chicago for a year and test it out or six months and work out because that's the next thing is when you travel the world, people are going to Mexico for six months and working from right. home. Maybe somebody from Mexico wants to come to Chicago, you know, and stay at a space, be able to get them breakfast, lunch, dinner. They can shop. They can work out. Uh, they can do an event, you know. We're building that, and the banks are like, ah, why don't you put a Burger King there? Yeah, the, the yeah, it's there. the norm, the norm, the norm. The no vision, you know. Her That's being black, because if I was anything else, they would they would cut the check. Mm. Our failures in the past are hurting us now, so I want me to be the one to risk it all to show them that this guy can do it. He did it so that they can. There's no one's doing that. No one's all, but James Whitner. James Whitner is building property, managing it with his retail spaces, his restaurant. Mm -hmm. I want to do the same thing. We don't have to rent out to a corporate company that's giving us answer, you know. You know, that's no, I love it. Fifty cent blank. Love it, and Blanks. and we're we're gonna manifest this. You're manifesting so, it. We want to get them that experience. Yeah, that's going to happen. I have no clothes, but we've been having a very hard time. It's been very difficult and very frustrating. I just can't believe this. That after the riots and the looting for the last two years, and these kids need somewhere to go. They need something. They need some inspiration. The banks are mm. like, "Fuck y'all, bro." You know, it, it sucks. It really does. Do I go on a platform and be like black kids? They don't believe in y'all. They want y'all. They just want to give you book bags and uh, school supplies at the end of the year. These corporate companies are doing. Right. Book bag, do a book bag drive, you know? Right. Give away turkeys for things. We're not elevating them. Who are, they, who are these next managers? Who are these next managers to go to Nike and Adidas? But from a sustainable... That's right retail environment like you've seen that like all the guys that left like one amazing things and there's so many kids that need that opportunity and banks and government structures well you care you, well well Honestly. no you and so and this is why my your voice is so needed and why once again leaders is is very synonymous with everything that you embody in that you 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 are bucking the system and trying and 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 putting people in a place where they need to be a little bit uncomfortable. They need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you're looking to do bigger visionary type of things. You see San Francisco, you see all this, like the crime is bad. Like guys are going at the carjacking here. Uh, 
the 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 uh the credit card schemes, the PPP loans that people are still in and doing stuff, identity theft. Like, they have no options, bro. Have no other no options. options. And that's why, again, it, it's up to us to create the space or do our part to help create the space for them as much as possible. You're, you're 1,000% correct, and that's why your vision is so necessary and all your ideas are so necessary to continue to push, continue to push. So if you feel, again, that tired nature of Astra, I, I can't do this. It's yes. not being... It's not happening. You you have more people that are going to push you to continue to do this, like people push you to continue to keep leaders. Good, good. Uh, well, let, let me ask you something. I totally believe that. That's definitely happening right now. We have to. Yeah, but it ha they do stay on me to stay focused. And uh, with development, the patience. number one key of development, I, they tell That me might be the number one key in life, bro. Patience is a virtue. Not just had this Fight this block, let's get the money, and then with supply costs and issues, I just can't, you know what I'm saying? They're looking at everything, you know, as uh, prices are sky high and certain things. I have to manage that. We got to manage and wait sometime. Like, people are sitting on. That's right. Now, that's another thing. No, that's real. We're going to wait. Patience. Let, let me ask you something. Growing up in Chicago, how did that, has, has that. You know, I don't have patience, but I have to on this one. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you this. Growing up in Chicago, how how has that influenced your desire to be an entrepreneur? And, and, and who were some of the people or things early on that kind of helped you make the decision to do that? My mom always told me never work for nobody <laughs> at an early age. She told me that she got frustrated at work and she was like, I want you, son. I don't never want you to work for nobody. I want you to be your own boss, be an entrepreneur. And I was just like, yeah, right, mom, whatever. I mean, at that time, I'm like, I'm playing professional baseball. Right. I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm going to league. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But after that, um, I felt after I graduated college, mm. I was unemployable. Every resume that I sent out or application I filled out, I could never get the job, basically, you know? I couldn't mm. get it. I couldn't get the job. So I was like, man, let me just do this on our own. Me and my cousin got together. I was like, man, let's open a store. Let's just do whatever we got to do. Let's save our money. Let's teach school. Let's save our money. And we sat down with our with our family members. It's like eight of us. I mean, eight family members, me and my cousin. We, he was the president. I was the vice president. And we asked him to come together and wow. give us $25,000. They all did it. I think 50. I think it was $50,000. My grandparents put their house up for twenty five grand, and his mom put his house up for twenty. dollars her house up for twenty five thousand on the law. We came right. for six months. We just needed that push, you know. But we were just like we hated working. We hated working in the school system, the CPS. I see why kids are going through this at the CPS. It's not being taught. The old structure of of school mm -hmm. just doesn't work, especially for boys. You know, our attention span and stuff like what are we learning this stuff mm -hmm. for? Like stuff is boring, you know. But that's why job programming right now is needed. That's why we want to do this because it's needed. It's an option. At least know it's an option. They love it. Without yep. investing in that, the opportunity, the option to be in this retail space. You know what have fun. We pay Ghostface, Raekwon, we're playing Jay-Z in the store. We're having fun, giving hugs. People come in, bring us cookies. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's an so environment of love. You know? That opportunity, it is. I need to see that. It's, it is. It's contagious. 
it's con it's contagious. In an effort to, I, I love the contagious, the word of you know? the contagiousness and what it exemplifies. I would love for you to share, you know, three seeds that you'd want to leave with the stewards of culture moving forward from this notion of contagiousness, right? Like, what are the three things that you think are critical to share? Immersion. Immerse yourself within this business. Pick the first one, the best one. Immerse yourself. Get great at it. Then you can do other things. Can't have five things going around, moving money around. It get bad. Things get bad at one year or one month or whatever. You don't have money to go back to that number one mm -hmm. business because you took it. You put it in other things that wasn't working. Uh, team and staff. Immersion. Team. Your team is everything. And I had so many people to come and be like, man, I'm doing this by myself. So I had a friend on on Messenger send me like, Corey, I need you to talk to my nephew. He's, you know what I'm saying? He wants to start this brand. He's need you to talk to him like, ah, Tasha, man, they don't listen. I was right. Call him. What's up, man? Corey, it's an honor to meet you. I see what you do. Y'all killing it. Love you, man. Congratulations. I'm like, what's up, man? Appreciate you, man. What's like, what you do? Yeah, man, I'm in school. I go to a junior college, man. I just got married. And I play football and I'm about to do this brand. I'm like, what? You married, you in school, you at a junior college, you in school and you play football. How you gonna do this, bro? Where's your team at? You got a marketing guy while you do this, while you're a football practice, so they can do this marketing stuff. Uh, somebody that's gonna do that, you know? It's like, man, I'm gonna do this by myself. God told me I can do this all by myself. I don't need no help or nothing. I'm not listening to nobody to do it. It's like, bro, I can't even help you. I appreciate you. I wish you the best of luck. But I can't help. That's right. Team, man. I wouldn't be nothing without my team. I couldn't travel the way I do to do the stuff that I love to do to show people what African Americans, uh, entrepreneurs really are instead of what they see on TV when we go to Africa and Ghana, we win grants to go to Senegal and Haiti. I'm my purpose mm. is definitely to go out and be like, this is a real black man right here. Right? We're not going out in and messing around. We're not on vacation. We want to tell great stories. Yeah, we want to help out. You're, what do you need? We want to support. You know what I'm saying? We want, to love you. we want to tell you we love you. We love your culture as well as you love ours too. And we're here to support that. Uh, the third thing. Let me think about the third mm -hmm. thing. Oh, um, consistency. Immersion. Consistency. Consistent. We're open 12 to 7 every day. Forever. Except Sundays 12 to 5. It's been like that for 20 years. We've made, we might have closed twice in our 20 years of business, maybe a blizzard. Right. Or uh, something like that. We couldn't get here or something like that. Like we've it's been, we shut our door times in 20 years. So people, if we even, we even worked on Thanksgiving and Christmas and every Thanksgiving and Christmas is two people that walk in and have nowhere to go and they applaud us wow. being there. They just needed somebody to be around. They don't have a family member and they can enjoy that day or that hour especially with us to dedicate ourselves to them. Even being away from my family, it's only like right. two hours. We If we open that day, we open 11 to four, mm. 11 to three. Listen, bro, your why, your why is so evident and I'm so glad and proud to know you as someone who's so locked into their purpose and their why. And you're so, so needed. And I'm so grateful and thankful that you've built a muscle of resiliency to push through all the trials that you've had to push through and the ones that you're gonna continue to push through because you are so, no, it's, it's gonna happen. 
it, it doesn't stop. You yes. just listen. <laughs> you just you're just getting better at dealing with hard is better. That that's all it is. Hard, you know, things don't stop. You're just getting better at dealing with hard. Yeah. Better. You're getting better at that. And and that's and that's the muscle that that you've developed. And and I, I just want to yeah. applaud you and thank you, bro. From the from the bottom of my heart. Hence why I wanted you to come on and I wanted to share you. I wanted to share your story because it, it needs to be shared. It needs to be highlighted. It needs to be heard because you're gonna inspire so, so many people for one who some may have known you and thought something different, right? Thinking that you've just been gliding through this thing. And then two, for those who don't know you, they're gonna see the level of resiliency and commitment you have to your why that is way beyond just selling shoes and t-shirts, way beyond. You are here to serve so many people. And for that, bro, I applaud you and love you and thank you. We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.